Um, is there something that, you know, over the course of your career that kind of got you interested in coaching? Yeah, I, I, I think the biggest thing was just the number of bad managers that I've worked for. And, and I put emphasis on managers. They're not leaders. Leaders is a, mm-hmm. it's a catchphrase, but very few people are really leaders. Oh, no one's there. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the CM Mentors Podcast. My name is Matt Graves. My co-host is Kyle Grandel. What's up, Kyle? Hey, doing great, Matt. How you doing? Good, good. And this week we got Josh McMahon. What's going on, Josh? Hey, Matt, Kyle. Thanks for having me. I uh, this week we're we're I don't I thought I was gonna like ban you from the podcast when you show up with an LSU Tiger hat. <laughs> um, I was gonna wear my A and M hat just to one up you, but. Uh, I had to wear my Little League coach's hat because this week we're talking all about coaching. And so um, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, so I thought it'd be fun. Um, for those that don't know you, Josh, you want to give us a little background on yourself? Yeah, I've uh, been in construction for most of my life. I'm in my early 40s, so I started in construction probably around 16 as a summer intern doing stucco, three flights up on a scaffold, and sanding the foam and all that nastiness. and. Uh, and then looking for foam stretchers and board stretchers and other crap that doesn't exist. You know, the, the typical hazing. And for whatever reason, I was hooked. I loved it, man. So I've been doing construction since I was 16. I got into heat, heating and air work out of high school. And I progressed very quickly. And I got up from, I don't know, maybe $5 an hour up to $12 an hour. And this is late 90s. And $12 an hour at the time was not bad money but i'm looking around at 40 year old individuals and they're making 12 dollars an hour and i said i got to do something different this isn't going to cut it um i wanted to go to school but my parents um there was no plan for me to go to school there's no plan for paying for it or any of those options and i was quickly discouraged from going to school so i joined the military right you go to construction or the military or college those are your three options um Mm -hmm. And I, w- I went into uh, I went into the military, and I was a Navy CB for five years. So I did construction for the Navy. I got to fly to Italy and Japan and do construction in the Navy. So it was it was amazing stuff. It was a lot of learning, a lot of drinking, very similar to what you guys do when you go to college. <laughs> <laughs> Except I didn't get to build anything cool. <laughs> no, probably not. So we we definitely built some cool stuff. And what were y'all building? Uh, we were building a dispatch building in Japan, and uh, okay. I swear this building's foundation could have held a skyscraper. Like, it was so over-engineered. This is a one-story building. Like, it could have been a 12-by-20-inch footer, poured walls or block, and, and you get after it, right? I mean, this thing, the foundation alone was probably like three foot wide. You know, the footer was three foot wide by, by two foot deep. Like way overdone for a one-story building, but that's the government. That's what I loved about the government. We've got money; you got to spend it, right? Spend it or lose it. So it was great though because I got that experience, and the and the great thing that I got in that was teamwork. I was a plumber and uh, HVAC by trade, but you're not doing plumbing all the time on a building, as you both well know, and you're not doing HVAC. So when you're doing a footer in the CBs. Everybody's a concrete guy. Everybody ties rebar. Everybody is in the hole doing what they have to do. And I just thought, this is life, man. This is the way it should be. We were all in it together. You had your experts who were your crew leaders for a a specific activity. You had your project manager. You had your superintendent who was on the job. And granted, that wasn't our titles in the Navy. But once you understand how a project works, you had all of those roles. And you got to lean on those other individuals. So I learned a lot from my time in the Navy and, the, and camaraderie. And, and I brought that to the outside with me. And I got into home building probably around 2006, which was a good time to get in home building. It was a good time. A couple years later, it was a bad time. A couple years later, it was <laughs> terrible, right? But I came into it as a customer service rep or, or a warranty tech. And I really learned how to fix everybody's screw-ups. <laughs> How to communicate with customers, how to communicate with trades, the scheduling, like the real basics in the foundation. And as I as I I say as I progress, but really what happened is the economy progressed, people started losing their jobs and going away, and then they said, You wanna be a superintendent? 
you can build these houses and you can build this community. I was like, damn right I do. I, I'm ready. I wasn't ready. I had no freaking clue what I was doing. And all the people who did know were gone. They were they were <laughs> let go. They quit on their own, whatever the case may be. So I had to learn very quickly on the fly. And and I'll tell you, this, this quote stuck with me forever. And this has been 15 years, 18 years maybe. The VP of construction says, my leadership style is to give you just enough rope to hang yourself. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, what? What what does that even mean? And, and I look back on that, and it was like that was the pivotal moment in my career that I knew I wanted to get the heck out of this business. And as I continue growing, I'm like, I really love this business because I want to be better than that guy. I want to coach and I want to help the next generation. And I want to make sure that you guys go out there and crush it. And you, you bring in new talent that crushes it and, and does far better than everybody else. That's what I want my legacy to be. So it was from that experience and that jackass that could have derailed my entire career. But instead, he, he catapulted my career. I went to college after that nonsense. I earned my bachelor's degree. I went on to get my master's degree at the great LSU. You could have picked a better school, but we'll let that slide. All, all we do is create national champs. <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> no. It, so, so my journey has been really on that, and, and I've really leaned heavier as I got more, to le- more into leadership roles on really coaching and grooming. The projects don't bring me a lot of excitement anymore. The homes, the customers certainly don't bring us excitement. But coaching and seeing people's eyes light up when they, when they get it and seeing them do well brings me more joy than anything else in this business. Like the money stopped mattering to me, you know, years ago. But when I can make an impact on another person, oh, dude, that's all the money I need. I wish I could put that in the bank so I could continue my lifestyle, but I'm happy and that's ultimately what's important so that's a lot more than a little bit about my backgrounds <laughs> yeah it's funny you're talking about you love the federal government because they have the money you got to spend the money um well first when i first got out of school first company i worked for was a it was a private company but we did it was like 100 percent federal work or 98 percent federal work we did a little bit of private but not much and like real quick like i saw all the waste in the federal government like the way the, the contracting i was like i'm like 23 years old like and like I'm sad of being a taxpayer because like I'm just like seeing all the stupid waste going out the window. Yes. And a lot of it's probably like y'all were building. They probably had a one size fits all foundation, and it's right. going to work for this building or it's going to work for every building. You know, what I mean, if you need to build a five story building, same thing. And um, they don't opt. I don't know. Maybe things are different today. That was 13 years ago. Maybe, but I, I imagine it's just as bad or worse today. Um, but nothing was optimized, and it was just the amount of red tape. You know, just I hated it. I hated it so much. Well, I, I'll I'll go back to that quick story on that dispatch building. They brought in uh, kind of the the people who oversee each battalion just to check on the progress. And the feedback was, you guys are way too far into the project. You need to slow down. You need to leave something for the next group to do. So to your point, I don't think the federal government's ever going to change because there's nothing holding them accountable, right? Like. I joke with my wife about the home we're building, and it's like our budget has to balance. We're not the federal government. They'll just go print more money. They're fine. You can't just do that? You can't just or lose I, however many trillions of dollars? I can. I can. I can print it. I just don't know how many years I can do in prison. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Josh, a question that I have for you is what was one of your biggest things that you noticed transitioning from building for the military to the uh, to, to the public sector yeah um, you know what, what, what you know anything that really stood out to you that were big changes like you know industry wise or easy easy answer it was other than everything yeah. <laughs> you know the biggest thing was the camaraderie it was the teamwork in the civilian sector still today more so today we don't care about the next trade and, and I say that, and I know that sounds harsh, but for the most part, we don't care. If, if, if the guy just got done painting the wall and I've got to lean my stuff against the wall, I don't care that it's going to damage his wall and he's got to come back and paint it. That's the biggest disconnect. And, and I, I swear when I was younger, it wasn't that way. We cared about each other. We looked out for each other. 
but I could be wrong, right? I mean, maybe it's always been this way. Just as I get older, I get more cynical. But honestly, I think that's the biggest difference is that the military, I, I didn't have to like you. But if you were in trouble, I was going to do everything I could to help you. Well, no, I mean, you're, I think you're absolutely right, Josh. And um, at least when, when I was still in the trades, which is uh, eight or eight or more years ago now, it's been a while, but um, it was still electricians trying to get there first before the yeah. plumbers, before the HVAC guys, uh, try to get our work in and get out of there. So it's not our problem anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I mean. laughs> that is, uh, and, and you know, it's still happening. And, and I don't know if it's just trying to help them better understand the big picture and the process and why. HVAC and plumber has to go before electrical. I, I don't know, and, and I, as I walk jobs, I'm, I'm constantly trying to educate them and help them understand the bigger picture and why we're doing things. You know, explaining the why. Because ultimately, I'm like, I want you to be the best plumber, the best electrician, or I, I want you to get tired of that and come over to my side and build houses with. Me. But I want you to be a best version of yourself when you do. We'll just explain to them that electricity can run uphill and plumbing can't. Yeah, I don't think they understand that. <laughs> well, that's why it's so much cooler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if, if I could do it again, I, I'd be an electrician because I hate sweeping too. <laughs> why, why are you guys hating on electricians so much? Come on. It's, it's too hard <laughs> amongst yourself. Man, I don't know how many times I worked for a mechanical contractor and I would see a superintendent screaming at the electrician with a sawzall in his hand. He's going to cut down his whole rack of conduit because he's in the wrong spot because we, you know, bin model everything. I was like, geez, like, we're about to have a fist fight here. And so, yeah, and it's, it's fun stuff. It, it's weird because it's like, why aren't we having more coordination meetings? Why are we not having more? I, I would even say, like, a business development meeting. Hey, let's get all the MAPs together. This is the space that we're going to invade. This is what we need to do. This is our mission. How do we do this? Who's on first? Who's on second? Where do you need to be? How do we help each other? Because what's the goal? The goal is to make mm -hmm. money. That's all we're here to do is make more money. So how do we make more money? We work with each other. How many times have you seen one trade make a bunch of money and everybody else lose money? Never. If everybody everybody makes money or everybody loses money, usually. I think... Uh, I think Probably most of the time, everybody loses money. I think everybody loses, and, and and I think the main cause of that is the blame game. It's Kyle's fault, it's Matt's mm -hmm. fault, it's the plumber's fault, it's his fault. And it's like, man, like what what part is yours? What part could you have done better? And right. I, I'm we're we're closing out a house now that the customer has burned us every which way, and a lot of it is because our paperwork wasn't dialed in. But the trades got into this mode of it's everybody else's fault. It's the superintendent's fault. I'm like, you guys are all going to go out of business if you keep doing business this way. You're killing yourselves. Yeah, if you have no accountability for how you're doing your own business, you're just pointing the finger at the at the superintendent or whatever. Like, I mean, I, we've been there. I mean, on a bigger commercial project, I, I don't have any residential experience, but on a bigger commercial project, really, you almost got to have the GC really coordinating things and really outlining it. And I've seen really good ones yeah. where they get everybody on board and they rally the troops and everybody has a plan and you can, and it's very smoothly executed, right? Like, all right, we're going to build from the top down, ducks can go up top, yeah. then we're going to start building down like that. And it's and we're going to go in a flow, right? We're going to go to sector one, sector two, sector three. And I've also been in a project where we built a, it's a, it was a hotel, and they had a big, you know, big commercial kitchen. And they said, all right, on Monday, we're starting in the kitchen. Ready, go. And then everybody showed up, and, like, the electrician is trying to go, the plumbers are trying to go, and everybody's just on top of each other. And it was just an like absolute train wreck. And I was like, this guys, what are you doing? You know, um, I, I, I didn't tell you this, but I, I did some federal contracting as well when I got out. And I went to Paris Island, South Carolina, at the Marine Corps barracks. And I'm taking over a project for another guy. And he'd been on the job for probably six months. And I don't think they'd build a million dollars yet in six months' time. So I bring, after walking the job for probably two or three weeks and just really getting a lay of the land and figuring out what the heck is going on, I bring all of the trade foreman into the, the trailer. And I'm like, guys, we're way behind schedule and we're way over budget. And the plumber, he's like, let me guess, it's the plumber's fault. I said, nope, it's our fault. It's the builder's fault. The general contractor, we screwed this up. This is what happened. And I was like, this is what I need. I'm like, I need you to build me 300000 this month. I need you to build me a quarter million. I need you to build me this. And I'm like, now tell me how do we start doing that? So I started speaking to them in their language because what are we here for? It's money. 
So when I started talking to him in terms of money and then figuring out, okay, you're going to work this wing, you're going to work this wing, you're going to work this wing, and then we started chewing away at it, I instantly got their buy-in because I want to help them be successful. Like, right, I just flipped the script. It would have been easy to blame everybody else. But I was like, ah, screw it, it's my fault. I did it. Take that. That's what's best people got to do is just take that excuse away from them and then all right it's, it's screwed up how are we going to fix it it doesn't matter how it got screwed up absolutely let's just go fix it yeah for sure well and, and big big theme there josh that you're t- speaking to is having the uh, the leadership buy-in and you know top-down mentality of hey it starts with us and then we gotta we gotta show that example we gotta lead it we gotta give these troops something to rally behind and that usually means collaboration yes i mean we're all here together that's, I think that's the key, and I've seen several trades on LinkedIn who speak up and say, why doesn't the GC go first? You're the leader. Why aren't you going first? Why is it always everybody else's responsibility? That's, that's exactly right. Whether it be home building or, or general contracting, we are in charge. I, I mean, I think people lose sight of this. I only make money when you put work in place. I don't add any value, right? My value is the coordination and getting everybody to work together and making sure we're, we're avoiding pitfalls. That's my money making. Really, home builders too, because the home builder really doesn't make any money until it's a final product and they can hand the keys over. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. And that—that's a brutal business because the margins are so tight in, in home building. Like everybody thinks that we're crushing it. We're making thirty-five, forty percent. I mean. I worked for a builder not long ago that was break even was 13 to 15 and we were closing homes at 10. And it's like, it's just a matter of time before we go under, right? Wow. You got to make major changes, You, but you got to accept it. You got to own that problem. And what that builder was failing to do, they didn't own any problems. It was easy to just blame everybody else. It's everybody else. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's your fault. And I'm like, yep, you're right. It's my fault. I'm going to go ahead and move on. So you can go find somebody else to blame. Disappointing. And that too is like, you know, people. I'm a big believer in patterns, and so like they think, well, we'll get, we'll do, another, we'll do better on the next one. We'll do better on the next one. <laughs> well, unless you have a plan of how to do better on the next one, you do the same shit, you're gonna get the same result. So, wait, you know that that's a great point. We all love to say, I'm gonna do better on the next one. I'm gonna get back in shape January first, two thousand twenty-four. I'm gonna do better tomorrow. Why not right now? Just mm-hmm. flip the switch. Even in the middle of a build, you can flip the switch. As easy as it is to turn my lights on and off, I can do the same thing on this project. I can do the same thing with my life. There is no next one. It's right now. If I mean, you wait for the next one, you might not be here. That's true. I love it. That's something like, you know, I've always said, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I finally, like, in the last year, really started trying. Like, I mean, it, it snowballed into a podcast now and this newsletter. But I've really started trying to make changes and be actually do like i have a million ideas and i've never done anything with nine all of them right and uh until finally i'm finally like i just need to start doing stuff instead of just saying i want to do or i'm gonna do it like just start doing it that's and that's that's actually great matt so i i set the year out with a theme like last year was all about growth and this year was all about intentionality and, and yes, I did look it up before I said the word on my podcast, but it does exist. So, <laughs> Carolyn, if you do happen to listen to this, it's still a word. But I wanted to be extremely intentional about anything I said I wanted to do. I wanted to start my own home building business. I'm doing it. I, I might fail. It might not work, but I'm going after it. I'm going to prove it. I wanted to start a consulting business. These are my two passions. I'm doing it. And again... I might not make money doing it, but I'm going to be intentional about it and not just talk about it and say, you know, Matt, I really want to do this consulting thing. No, now it's, Matt, I'm doing this consulting thing and this is how it works. That's like, you know, a lot of people talk about it, but I, I listen to Gary Vee a lot. And I think I've mentioned him on every, all 10 episodes of this podcast now, but a lot of times he talks about it as like regret. He's like, go to any nursing home and go talk to people about what they regret. It's not going to, they're not going to regret their failures. They're going to regret the things they didn't do. Yeah. Right, like they don't. No one regrets. Like, oh, well, I tried that and it fell. Or I tried that and it fell apart. It was like people don't regret those things. It's like, well, if I woulda, coulda, shoulda type things is what people really regret when they're on their deathbed. So. Yeah. Um, 
So we've shared enough war stories. I want to get into what we really kind of brought you on is this coaching. Um, it's definitely something I share, I think, a passion with, and that's something we've talked about. It. I mean, me and you've had a couple phone calls just over the last couple of months, and um, like I, you know, I, I've met the presidents of companies and these things, all these big wigs and and politicians and stuff, and like I don't get excited about like going and having like a luncheon with them or doing these sort of things. Is you know whatever it's part of the day job. Yeah. What I get really excited about is like when an entry level co- guy comes on the job site. And he's like walking around the job site. We're walking around. He's asking a bunch of questions, and I can just see the light bulbs go off in his yeah. head. And like, I have all the time in the world for something like that. Somebody who's eager and hungry and wants to learn and is soaking it all in. Man, I'll I'll stay all day. I'll like I'll do my I'll do my actual work tonight on my own time. Like just yeah. to like spend time with you and help you do that sort of stuff. So, um, is there something that you know over the course of your career that kind of got you interested in coaching? Yeah, I I, I think the biggest thing was just the number of bad managers that I've worked for and, and I put emphasis on managers they're not leaders leaders is a mm-hmm. it's a catchphrase but very few people are really leaders so the bad managers that I've seen burn out people where they come into the business they've got all this potential and we just run them off and, and we run them off with a fake culture right culture is we're just a party culture. We're drinking. It's an extension of high school. Whatever whatever your culture is, again, it's a buzzword. Um, here's my my biggest one is the core values. I am I am a military guy, so core values are at my heart. But when you put core values just on the wall for marketing needs, it's disingenuous. So I think for me, it was like, yeah. I wanted to invest in those core values and I wanted to invest everything that I have into those individuals. And, and I tell people when I recruit them, you might not be here for two years. You might not be here for five years. I want to help you get wherever your career path is taking you, right? Because you, Kyle, you weren't always in business for yourself. You worked for the man at one point, but you had aspirations to run your own business and do these things. And did you have the same kind of mentors and coaches along the way that said, I know you're you're built for self-employment. I'm still going to invest everything I have in you because it'll pay dividends tomorrow. Right? Like I actually did. I, I had some great managers that did the, those exact things. It's funny you bring that up, Josh. And, and that's awesome. And I want to be another one of those great managers that does that. I don't want to be a manager that holds people back and oh, you know, Matt, you're active on LinkedIn, so you must be looking for another job, right? Or you've got a podcast, so you must be doing something else. And it's, if businesses understood the value that you bring organically to their company, when you put your company name in the headline, they're getting so much organic growth and organic marketing from that, and they're not even paying for it, they just don't know it. And because they're worried about losing something they, they almost extinguish anything that you're trying to do. I want to be the opposite of that, and I want to grow other people, and I want to encourage people to be more open and share their thoughts and share their ideas on LinkedIn or, or Instagram or wherever, whatever platform you choose or a podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I guess was kind of helped me with my content is I got I kind of got to the, the mindset of, like, I want to put something on LinkedIn and I kind of hope somebody tells me I'm wrong because I want to learn. Yeah, right. right. It's, it's like so many people go on there and they're like, I'm the expert and listen to everything I have to say. And they, they just go in there repeating whatever they Googled, right? Whatever some blog, they just copy pasted it or, you know, tore some words. But like, I don't know. Most of what I put on there is like, I just, I have some thought. I'm like, man, and I'll, it's kind of got traction too because it's, it's all genuine. It's all authentic. And, um, and so, you know, and I'm kind of hoping sometimes somebody tells me wrong or adds to it or kind of tells me where I took a wrong step or, or I get confirmation that like, okay, yeah, this thought was actually, <laughs> other people are thinking this too. Yeah. So it's been been cool. And I, I think that's a great feature because I'm, my leadership style is to do that. Even in, even in a real life setting, right? I'll, I'll ask a question that I know is stupid or I know is the wrong question to ask, but it's because I want to engage my people to then like fire back. I want them comfortable disagreeing with me. Right, because mm-hmm. too many managers are, or too many people on LinkedIn or wherever are like, no, this is how it is. How do you know? Like, what perspective gives you the ability to know everything, every situation, every environment? Right. I want people to be free thinkers. 
Well, and, and why would you hire anybody else if you knew it all? Thank you. I mean, the whole point of having other people is to get more minds on it, to get the best possible information because you have different people that think differently, have different experiences, and um, bring different things to the table. That's the best it, way to go. And so you listen to everything I have to say, and you do exactly what I tell you to do. I cut it out, man. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's laughing at your jokes here. <laughs> You, you're you're nailing it, Kyle. There's no reason to hire other people if you just want people to do and, and think the way you think, right? Just go hire laborers. That that's what you should hire. But if you're hiring project managers or construction managers, whatever we call them, if you're hiring individuals that skill level, you want people to have a different perspective. You need new ideas, fresh ideas. You absolutely do. And, and kind of going back to your point earlier, Matt, about walking a job site with somebody and, and you know, kind of kind of talking through things with them and helping them learn, that gets me excited. That's that's yeah. why I'm doing this in the first place is because it kind of renews my excitement. So, I mean, you know, you get on a project, you get into the, you know, kind of the day-to-day, -day, sometimes it kind of gets a little, I don't want to say boring, that's not the right word to use, but you know what I mean, monotonous. Yeah. But then you bring somebody else in, they ask you some questions, you're like, oh, yeah, you know what, you're right. I, I forget how cool this stuff is because yeah. I take it for granted. I do it every day. And so it's, it kind of renews that energy for me. That's why I enjoy it. That's 100 percent true because I get the same way after you know, been on been some bigger projects. They may last three years, four years, five years, and it, it gets monotonous, right? And it, 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 I'll say it gets boring, right? But yeah, when somebody fresh face comes in and they're excited and you get to talk about it, and it, it does, it gets, it does, it kind of gets the excitement level back up. It it does, man. It it like it brings back that youthfulness in us. Like construction is fun. It's new. It's it's dirty. It's messy. Mm -hmm. And it does get monotonous, and it does get boring. But when you get that new boost of energy, the first time seeing a project, the first time seeing something done in the field, it's like it's, with the right energy, man, it, like, it boosts me up. And, and I started my podcast for the exact same reason. I wanted to get more of that out there and, and help more people know, like, this is a great industry to be in. Yeah, so I'm gonna go back to the coaching thing because I really, I really, we've <laughs> been going about 30 minutes and like great stories, but I want to nail this. Um, so one of the topics we were, we kind of, or it really was the headline of the podcast was coaching to promote from within instead of hiring outsiders. Nice. Yep. I I love that so much, and I think I think I got that from you. Maybe that's you told you me. Did. If not, I made it up and I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> um, what I mean, have you had a lot of experience with people like just? keeping people down and hiring people in on top of them and not really and talking about culture and all these values um, you bring in an outsider especially into a leadership role they come with their own values and culture and they not may not be home homegrown you know 100% and you know what the problem is with most most companies is they don't have they have good managers or good people who can move the numbers or who can look at a spreadsheet and and have an idea on what's going on but they're not coaches they're not mm -hmm. going to take the time after hours or whenever to invest in their people and what I've done in my career is I bring in people with maybe life experience but not construction experience and I teach them some really basic stuff and, and you know where you start you just start with a system what's our system and what's the system say what's your daily routine you got, we got to remember that they don't know all this stuff so if my daily routine is get to the job walk every home walk your job site however you do it Look at your schedule, update your schedules, communicate with your trades, walk the job again, verify your schedule again, walk the job, lock up and go home. This is what I need you to do every day. And you, you set them on that path, they start seeing things. And then, here's the other part, have a journal. I want the new guys and girls to have a journal and write down my question. What is this red stuff that comes out of the caulk gun? What is this? I don't understand. You know, why is the insulation itchy after I touch it, right? Like, write down your, your questions, no matter how dumb, no matter what it is, because I want you to have all the time you need. Because when I get the opportunity to sit down and I, I commit time to sit down with them, I want to answer those questions and I want to help you, maybe not give you the answer, but point you in the direction to go find more information and to help make you better. So that's the key on this coaching thing is don't give them all the answers. Give them enough to keep their appetite and keep them hungry and keep them coming back for more. And 
you'll you'll grow those individuals. The individuals who have a high ceiling, you're going to grow them very quickly. And the individuals who don't have a high ceiling, you're still going to grow them, so you're still getting value. It just might take longer to get them up to where you want. I think the best coaches I've had, the best mentors slash coaches I've had, have been the ones that would do exactly what you just said. They kind of push you to be resourceful, right? Because they're not going to be. I'm not always going to be able to like call them and say, "Hey, what's what's this pink stuff in the wall? And why is it itchy?" You know, those type of questions. <laughs> like, but they'll push you, you know, to like go figure out. And it doesn't taste like cotton candy. Quit eating it. Uh, you know, they kind of force you to be resourceful and go. And it's a day. It's Good Friday. I didn't have really have work today. It's, I'm having a good one. It's good. Um, but yeah, no, but anyway, they, they help you be resourceful, yeah. right? They help you say, okay, you know, if you have a code question and they'll say, okay, well, where do you think the codes might be found? It's like, well, I don't know the code book. Like what's a code book? How do you read it? And kind of at least get you exactly. taught is how to read a code book or how to read a RS means manual, right? If you're trying to do some high level estimating, you're just kind of like teach you how to use the tool and then give you the tool. Right. That's that's exactly right. We're just constantly adding to their toolbox every day, and the and the bigger their toolbox gets, the the more successful they become. Well, and, and Josh, I, you know, I do something similar with with my guys when I when they come on board, to guys guys or girls, um, when they come on board, is we have our you know, we have our kind of our daily daily routine in place, and then but we have it arranged by kind of experience level. So when mm. somebody comes on board, what's expected of them day to day is going to be a little less than after they get a year experience, two years experience, etc. By the time they're full fledged construction managers, now I expect them to be on it, hitting all of these all of these. I mean, making their own tasks of course too for what's important for the job but you know just because it's a general guideline just very similar on lines of what yeah. what, what you're saying I, I think it's good and, and you know what, what I think of when I think of coaching like I really just think I'm a guide like we're just guiding the these these individuals towards the towards the answers they need we're guiding them in the right direction like like if you think of bowling right we're just the bumpers you're out there playing bowling you're just whipping it down there and I'm just the bumper to keep you on the lane keep you safe and, and I'll, I'll put people in a position where I know they're going to lose I know it's going to be a difficult spot but I am right there to as they're going through and they're getting challenged to build them back up and I think that's important because this job does suck at times you do have to deliver bad news you do have to deal with bad stuff the earlier you get comfortable with dealing with that man the higher you can go so it's a guy. Yeah, really. I mean, coaching is, oh, 100%. And I think coaching, too. I mean, when I think coach, everything's a sport, so at least I do, by default. That's right. right. But, I mean, like right now, I've been coaching my boys. Uh, I got twin boys, and they're playing coach pitch baseball right now. We've been coaching them since they were in T-ball. And I've already seen them, you know, I've already seen them progress where now they at least know they want to hit the ball, they run to first base. That was quite a struggle the first year, right? And then even, you know, we was like, all right, well, that's base one, two, three, and home. Like, we're just getting those basics down. But now it's like you see them progress. And so you don't have to hold their hand as much, right? right? And you take a step back, and you give them a little bit more rope to do a little bit more. And like now, doing coach pitch, we're still the coaches are still out on the field when they're playing defense, and but they hit a ball to the pitcher, and like half of them may throw may know to pick up the ball and throw it to first base. The other half, you're still yelling at them, throw it first, throw it first. <laughs> but then hopefully next year, you don't have to do that anymore, right? right. You've kind of given them that other tool. You've you've kind of at least pointed them in that direction. They kind of know another thing, and you kind of start backing off, backing off, backing off until obviously when they get into you know, upper little league or into you know high school. Obviously, they don't they don't need you telling them where to throw the ball or what to do. They know how to play the game. They know how to do their job. Right. And so that's kind of how I see coaching. Is if I compare everything to sports, like I'm a huge sports metaphor guy. But same thing. It's like when you're early on, right? The guy fresh out of college, you're gonna need to hold his hand and teach him everything and make sure he doesn't walk underneath a, a crane holding something up because it's gonna fall and smash him. And like you just gotta like, you know, they're a walking danger. Yeah. At some at some point, but. Um, but I'll, you give them a little bit more, and you get a little bit more, and uh, they kind of get get their feet under them, and then you kind of back off and kind of help more high level. And so, exactly, um, you got it. Well, and, and it's also important too, I think, Josh, um, having some structure, like you're saying. Yes. I mean, especially when somebody starts a new job, I know this from my own experiences. You're kind of nervous. You're, you're you're out of your element a little bit. You're kind of walking on eggshells a little bit, trying to figure stuff out. Having a little bit of structure and a little bit of here's your expectations and you know some kind of some touch points, if you will. That also kind of helps with the learning too. Makes somebody a little more comfortable. Makes them open up um, to you as the guide. 
I think. Well, I, th- I think that's a great point. As we bring people on, you know what we do really good is we invest everything we have into recruiting. We pay recruiters handsome amounts of money, and we, we invest heavily. We take them to lunch, we groom, we do all this stuff, and we get people on board, and then we just cut them loose. And you you nailed it, Kyle. Like, we've got to be that guide, and we've got to set some structure and really help people on board. And, you know, this is a full team effort. Everybody throughout the company needs to make that individual comfortable. Because, like I said to Matt before we went live, I'm an introvert by nature, even though you wouldn't know that by me talking and being on this. But I'm introverted. I'm very shy when I meet new people, and I don't want to put myself out there. So I'm a little more reserved. So if I join a company and they're all reserved and they're all, and I'm like, well, maybe I made a mistake. This isn't really for me. Like, they're not even comfortable with me. They recruited me. They wanted me, but they don't really want me. So we've got to really make sure we're setting that up and setting those people up for success because that's that's not just junior employees. That's all the way through the ranks. So I love hearing you say that, that you've got that in, in place. I think it's cool, too, like you were talking about knowing yourself and the company, knowing your coworkers too. Like we've done some stuff where you, yeah. you know, we all take personality tests and like, all right, I know Josh is introverted now, right? So I'm working with him. I know, you know, I may be too loud for him or I may be too overcoming and like, I mean, you know, those sort of things. And like you under, you start understanding stuff and if you realize you're all introverted, like, okay, well, you're not all mad at each other. You just don't want to talk to each other right now. Like, <laughs> That's right. And so you, your mind doesn't start running because you know who you're working with and you kind of know what makes everybody tick. Have you guys um, have you guys done the assessment, the six types of working genius yet? That one, no. So it's it's a Patrick Lencioni book. He he just wrote this book not long ago. It's it's probably the best assessment you can do for your teams. And I don't work for Patrick Lencioni yet, so I'm not plugging him for for personal benefit. But the value I got from it, super easy read. It, it breaks down the work into six different quadrants and it says, hey, your genius is two of the six, your competency is another two, and your frustration is these two. And what I've learned from that assessment is exactly what Matt's saying when it comes to introverts and people's personality is like, I've got you in a role where I need you to finish strong and get, the, get in the details, and that's a frustration for you. I have failed as a leader putting you in that role. I need to move you out of that spot and put you in this spot that's that's more of an 80% guy. I want you to get my project 80% done and I'm gonna bring in this person who's a who's more geared to tenacity and getting it done and they're gonna finish the job. So it's, it's like, it's not a failure. It's not that you failed. Mm-hmm. It's just not a genius for you. And once I once I saw that and I, and I saw the results, like all these questions I've had about myself in my past and where I've, I feel like I have failed or I didn't do as well as I hold myself to. And then I'm like, well, no wonder. You were set up for failure because you're in roles that you shouldn't be in. So six types of working genius. Highly recommend you guys uh, checking that out. We're just talking about assessments. And, and I think when it comes to coaching, having that assessment and understanding who you're coaching really helps you build your coaching plan for that individual mm-hmm. you know we're talking about coaching I, I talk about sports metaphors I mean look at a football team right if you just take the quarterback and the left guard and switch positions everyone's going to know real quick they're out of position and they're not doing their what they should be doing yeah. right um, and same thing I mean business is almost the same thing right if you get people with different talents and different skills and in the wrong position then it's the same thing, right? Your quarterback isn't going to throw the ball and catch the ball and run in for the touchdown. <laughs> you know, he's got to you have to have some handoff. It is the same thing, but in business, I hired you to be a construction manager. That's what you need to do. You should be good at this. Yeah, you can be good as a construction manager at running a job site, building a home, doing these things, but you might be terrible at this, right? You might be terrible at pre-construction stuff. You might be terrible at paperwork. But in a, in a business sense, I hired you to do this. You need to do it. And that's where I think that we just need to switch it up a little bit. Don't be so rigid. Because it's, I mean, yeah, go back to the and, sports I thing. mean, you think about construction manager. What does a construction manager do? He wears a dozen hats. He's got to know finance and quality and safety and, you know, you name paperwork. I mean, the whole, a construction manager, it's not an accountant where they're just inputting numbers. And I know accountants do more than that. But, um, you, sure? you know, a construction manager's got to. Where 
I got some counting friends. I'm not going to throw one of the bus. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think you just did. <laughs> I did. I did air quotes for people that aren't watching. Uh, no, no, he didn't. By the way, don't don't don't, don't listen to him. I'm gonna have to edit that in. <laughs> but uh, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Oh, but no, construction management, project management, like it, you got to know so much stuff. Yeah. Like it is such a diverse position. I mean, you got to know legal. You got to know how to read a contract. You got to. I mean. You name it, like it's such, and a lot of some people can't read a contract. Like they just, they open it up and like their eyes gloss over to the back of their head. But that may be the guy who needs to come in for pre-construction because he can see the building coming together. He right. can see it all come together. And, and then some guy may be real good at scheduling because he understands how the process works. And that's right. Um, I think part of coaching too, knowing what people are strong at, and then putting complementary skill sets together to build a great yes. team. That's like what a coach needs to be doing. That's. That's exactly what you want to do is you want to figure out where am I weak? Where does my team need additional support? And then don't look at it as a failure. Look at it as this is a team build. When, when I'm mm-hmm. building my teams, I'm thinking of this guy's really good on the front end, right? Everything from the breaking ground to framing, solid, but terrible in the finishes. Terrible. No detail, not organized. But this person is crushing this side. I'm going to team him up. I'm not going to fight it. And, and then hopefully from that process, like building them as a team, they will get better on the front end and get better on the back end. And, and then in time, they'll get better and they'll be a complete package. It just takes time. And I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't rush it. You say something, Kyle? Well, I was just going to say that kind of goes back, if, if we want to go full circle for a second here to Josh about uh, talking about earlier with, uh, you know, not rushing it, but investing. I mean, this is all in part. This whole podcast is about putting some investment out there into the next generations, and that's what they want, and that's what they deserve. I mean, like we talked about earlier, the days of trial by fire, sink or swim, we can do so much better. You can do so much better, and it's expensive. That method costs yes. us so much freaking money. I hired a superintendent that I knew was going to be my right hand man. He flew trusses backwards on a freaking house. The framer said I screwed up and flew him backwards. He said, don't worry about it. We'll get it later. That cost us eight months to go back there and fix that. But it was because I was oh. I was not creating the right systems and the right boundaries. And, and, and where I'm going with that is hiring individuals with no experience or less experience and creating those boundaries and those systems those mistakes wouldn't be made and if they were made i would show enough empathy that you can bring that to me and we can fix it and we just keep moving on it's just construction mm-hmm. it's kind of i was talking to a guy the other day and um he kind of reached out to me on linkedin because of i mean through the podcast and newsletter and all this sort of stuff he kind of been following for a while and he was basically asking how can i find a mentor because he's like the company i work for like they just basically their philosophy is kind of like that just we're going to hire you. We're going to throw you out into the field. And he came from, like, the trades, and now he was working for a general contractor. So he kind of – a lot of stuff carries over, but there's a whole lot more to learn when you come yes. from a trade – you know, as a project manager for a trade company, now he's a, uh, as a general contractor. And um, he was just like, how – I don't even – I'm trying to – I want to learn, but I don't even know where to start. And he was yeah. just kind of asking. And we had a good conversation about some stuff. But, um, but yeah, there's so many com- – like, for, I think for every – I've said this a bunch of times, and I should probably – I don't know how I could do the math on it, but I think for like every one contractor out there that trains their people really well, has good programs, you know, the good contractors, uh, they'll have programs for entry level guy and then they'll have a mid engine and they'll have executive level yeah. training for every step of your, of your career path. And I think it keeps retention too, because you're always, yes. you can see the ladder and you know, okay, when I get to this step, they're going to train me and groom me to go to the next step. And you constantly have that. But I think for every one of those companies out there, there's got to be a thousand companies that are like that other one I was just talking about where they just kind of like, yeah, we're going to hire you. You're a project manager. Go get the job done. Like, I, I think there's there's too much of that right now. I think there's there's more bad companies when it comes to that. And when I was when I was coming up, I was middle management. And I'm like, I'm going to get into the executive ranks. I went and hired an executive coach out of my own pocket. The company wasn't going to invest in me. They weren't going to help pay for additional schooling or certifications. I paid for it out of pocket. And I never regretted it because it, it did fill in some of the blanks that I had. Executive presence and some other things. But that's where I think companies could really do well is 
What's your vision as a company? What do you see with your people and where do they go and how do you how do you grow into like your next three years, your five years, your 10 years, right? Because as companies, you say, I don't want to recruit you and you come and be here for a year or two years. It's like, okay, that's fair. I don't want to come here for one or two years. But what's the path? What does it look like? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do for me? Because I know what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to come to work. I'm going to give you my honest 40. I'm going to help you earn your your profit. And I'm going to go home and raise my family. But what's in it for me? I need more than just 40 hours a week. And and that's where we really got to dial in our vision, really dial in our training program and understand who we are. Because I think some companies should understand I'm a stepping stone. And I think it's okay. If they don't want to be that, they need to make some changes to not be that. You have to make changes. You can't just say, right, I, I think it's it's too easy to say, well, oh, they're job hoppers, they just leave. Okay, fine. But your good employees, your good workers, they're still finding jobs. So that negative connotation doesn't mean shit. Be better. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds more like an excuse than an actuality, yeah, because I, I'm a firm believer in the same thing, that if somebody wants to stay, I'm going to give them a good environment and they're going to want to stay. And if it's not working out, then it's either on their side or it's my side. And if it's my side and I start to see the numbers going that way, you know, there's no denying that data. I mean, that tells me that I'm the one screwing up here. Yeah, and, and that's great perspective because at the end of the day, it's business. I'm running my business personally. My household is a business. You're running a business. Your company's running a business. We're all running a business. And some of us do a really damn good job at running our business, and some of us are miserable. So this podcast is really, you know, created to be a resource kind of for the next generation. So if, um, you know, somebody that maybe next generation, 25 years old, or maybe even somebody like yourself, maybe had like a career in the army. And cause I've seen a lot of that too. There's a lot of people coming out of the military and now are like, what am I going to do? And then they find their way into construction. But so kind of the next generation, no matter how they find their way here, um, and they're looking to find a mentor and they may they're not getting the resources at work. Do you have any advice on how to find one or how to go about that? I have no idea. It's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just joking. I mean, I, I think it's really difficult trying to find mentors and find people who are genuine and authentic. I think yeah. the biggest place to start, in my opinion, is LinkedIn. Who's sharing content? Engage with their content. See if you like these individuals. right? Because I'm, I'm willing to give myself for anybody. If, you know, Matt, you reached out and said, hey, this is the problem I'm having. I'll be like, let's talk through it. What can we do to help you? Right, because I have the Gary V mindset. I want to give it all away for free, knowing that mm -hmm. or trusting that it'll come back tenfold, and I'm not worried about it. So yeah. I'm that way, and there are so many other people out there that are that way that I can call right now when we get off this podcast and say, "I'm really struggling with this," or "I'm having a hard time hiring," or "I'm having a hard time retaining." What are you seeing? What are you doing? And I find a lot of those connections from LinkedIn because I can. I can get a good sense of who you are, the more content you put out. And then if I engage with your content and you re-engage, then it's somebody I'm more interested in, in associating with instead of just people who put something out there, you engage with them, and then they, you never see them again. Like they're just putting out and they walk away. Like you can just get an AI or something to do that for you, right? Go find the real people. So I think my suggestion is find people on LinkedIn and reach out to them and see what they say. That's that was kind of the advice I gave this guy was because um, I, I told him the same thing. I was like, man, for like the longest time, I was against having a mentor. I didn't want to have a quote mentor because one, I wanted to be resourceful and like I wanted to like out of egotism or whatever. Like I just wanted to figure out myself and like that's just kind of my way my mind works anyway. Like I want to figure it out. And but I, what I would do is like I'll take a little bit of piece from this person, a little bit of piece from this person, and kind of just put it all together and kind of create my own sense of reality and um, a little bit of tidbit and how it, how I felt it played into me. But I didn't want somebody saying like. I'm going to, what I thought a mentor was like, sit down, I'm going to tell you all the th ways you're screwing up and how you need to be better. Yeah. Like, I didn't want that. Um, but again, like through, my mind's really changed over the last year based on really as much LinkedIn stuff as I've been doing. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had so many conversations with awesome people based on kind of making connections on there. I mean, I met Kyle through LinkedIn, through kind of content we were putting out and we circled kind of around each other and we got a couple phone calls and we're like, dude, we got so much in common, let's do something. Yeah. And then we did a podcast and like, 
me and you too, Josh. We talked about that. Like we kind of circled each other on LinkedIn for months, probably, and leave a comment here, leave a comment there, see each other, and finally, I was like, "Who is this guy? We got to talk." Yeah. Like, and um, so I think that, and then I get on these calls with people, and like I don't, I'm not getting into it looking for a mentor, but we start talking about stuff, and I just this is what's going on with me, and they start just kind of giving me a little advice, a little bit here, then it. You know, almost like peer groups are really more than anything yeah. because then we kind of a little bit back and forth and like, yeah, I did this on my project or I did that and next thing you know it's a should I say it a friendship has happened and now you can have somebody you can call on yeah like it's pretty cool it's it's definitely true and and that's exactly how it happens man like I mean you just you grow these relationships from from online from LinkedIn and then you you convert it into this you convert it into I'm walking a job site and we're talking on the phone and we're talking about issues we're having or successes that we had or anything and and I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's the key piece of of this and 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 what I would really suggest to people is reach out to these individuals because people are out there that will help you and want to help you and and I think there's some genuine people out there that will help you navigate cuz the job can be very isolating, right? Where you, for the most part, you're on an island, you're on your project, you're dealing with your own stuff, and the rest of the world stops. Nothing else exists. And the reality is we're all in that position. We all get in that mindset. So reaching out and finding those those mentors or those peer group that you can lean on and grow from, because I think the biggest thing for me is I'm not an engineer, but being able to talk to engineers outside of work and learn how you think and what goes through your mind and how you put things together helps me be a better builder mm-hmm. yeah well and and you know all this talk about basically leveraging our linkedin resources and networking i mean to me that's 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 the that's the key right there is networking because yes. you don't know who you're going to meet that'll connect you with somebody else that's going to have what you're looking for that's going to help you to get to the next level i mean for example my coach i met through matt and um and matt i mean you know you know alex when when, when her and i had an introduction um one of the first things she asked me was all right how can i help you who to connect you with and those, I mean, those people are out there, yeah. and they're awesome. And then through that, that's how I met Haiti and, and other people. And it's just like there's been so many cool connections that have come just from somebody that I wasn't expecting, and that person came from somebody else that I know. You just never know who you're going to meet. And so that's why LinkedIn, even putting yourself out there going to networking events, hey, everybody, I'll say it right now, I don't enjoy the, going to those events very much, but I enjoy meeting people, so that's why I got to do it. Exactly. <laughs> The one thing I liked about LinkedIn is, for me, you know, I've got a full-time day, full day job, right? And I have a family, and I have kids, and all these sort of stuff. And it's it's really difficult for me to get to an in-person networking event. It's just like I just I don't have the time of the day between baseball right. practice and this and that and everything else going on in the world. And plus, like the project I'm on right now, like I'm an hour away from Houston. So if there's a happy hour in Houston, like and Houston's an hour away from Houston, if you've ever been there, like it's massive. So it's like. So what I found is like being able to network with people through LinkedIn, and you can get a lot further reach faster too, yeah. right? I mean, I've actually never shook either one of you guys' hands. Me and Kyle's been doing this for months, and I like we've never actually seen each other face to face. And like we became real good buddies. Like we text all the time, and like we talk about our own problems that were going on in our lives and projects yeah. and and business and all this sort of stuff. And but like, but we've all met really through the internet, and then it's became like a a, a real friendship. Yeah. So that's awesome. I'm tearing up here, Matt. <laughs> I'll edit that part out. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, it's it's been so awesome. It, you just, it's like all the limits are gone. I mean, you, yes. you start to get your network out there. You can literally meet anybody if you just have the right means to do it. I mean, it's yeah. just so cool. And, and the biggest thing is is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like I yeah. said earlier, I'm, I'm more introverted, but. I've become very comfortable with this. I'm still not comfortable with the networking events, but I like to go there and I like to meet new people and and do some of that. So once I break the ice, I'm okay. But it's it's that networking piece. And and, and one more book for you is Who Not How. Have you read that book? I've heard of it. Who who wrote it? Uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. So so think about this. Every problem that we encounter, we say, how am I going to solve this? How are we going to get this done? But what if you flip that script and you said, who's going to help me get this done? Who can get this done? 
right? And you think about networking and leverage and all these other things. If you start saying, this is my problem, who's the answer that can solve this for me? Who knows the answer? And now you start surrounding yourself with other who's, which you already have, you already have your network. You just, your immediate thought is, how do I do it? Whereas if you say, I got my network, who can do it? Now you're quickly off and running. Like we had a problem come up this week, personal problem, and the bank was doing something with our financing. And, and I said, shit, who can I call? Who could I get to come here and invest in this thing and make this thing happen? Like, I didn't even care that the bank said you might be derailed. It, it was like the last thing on my mind. I was immediately thinking about who was going to help me get out of it. And when people start thinking of who's in their network, the ceiling goes up 10 feet. You just leveled up your entire game with one word. So we, we, talk, we something. talk about the leverage of LinkedIn, talk about the leverage of your network, talk about the leverage of your hoops. Game me and over, Kyle's been talking about recently. 100%. That's what me and Kyle have been talking about. It's finally come a realization. Like, I don't have to do everything alone. Like, Nailed that's it. what and we've realized. Like, I mean, just as I probably would never would have done this part, I never would have done a podcast if it wasn't for Kyle. But, like, he kind of like encouraged me. We kind of encouraged each other. Then we're kind of doing it for each other. You know, here it is. Yeah, um, I would have done it alone. <laughs> <laughs> but just in so much stuff like that it's 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 i finally realized like just the power of networking and um and i'm gonna go i'm gonna read that book tonight maybe but it's so cool super easy book super easy book but it's it blows your mind with with how much you can change with with just changing how you approach things and you know the irony is when i started my podcast feed me your construction content I had no interest in doing it on my own. I had some gear, and I was like, I want to do this. And I had a buddy in South Carolina who was very similar to you guys, where we were engaging with each other's content. They were like, I've been wanting to do a podcast. I was like, yeah, me too. And I was like, shit, let's, let's do it. And we, we mm-hmm. did it. We created 12 episodes, and then just kind of life got in the way. It became really difficult, and, and we, we stopped. And then I wanted to get it going again, and I said babe, I want to get this podcast going. She's like, yeah, do it. And I was like, no, no, no. I want us to get this podcast going. I want you to be my co-host. And she's like, I got nothing to add. And I'm like, you got a ton to add because you're, you're inquisitive and you, you're curious about what's going on and you ask great questions. I was like, let's go. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Now we jump on the mics and she's like leading the charge. So it's, it's cool stuff with what this medium and all these things can do and, and how much we grow from it. I uh, I've now started doing a second podcast. It's a uh, it's, it's Texas A and M rugby based because I played rugby and well, me and a uh, anyway I'm part of the alumni association, all the alumni group for the rugby team and all these sort of things. And I was on the board of directors for a while, but anyway, one of my roommates from college he called me up one day and he's like, "Hey, I've been seeing this podcast you've been doing. You're, you guys are killing it. You should do a podcast for Texas A and M rugby and just kind of like interview the current players, the board of directors, the old maroon board of directors, the coaches, and just kind of because any sort of organization like that." communication between the alumni and the current students. Everyone says, like, give us donations. We need money. But it's like, where's our money going? We don't know where it's going. Just that sort of stuff, right? right. There's complete communication breakdown all the time. So anyway, he called me and he goes, you should do it. And I go, you want to do it with me? And I completely caught him off guard. He's like, oh, <laughs> I guess. But I was like, I'll do it with you. Like, I'll, I'll handle, like, the back-end stuff because I know how to do all the, the hosting and all that sort of stuff. But, like, we'll do it together. And you kind of take the lead on the booking the guests and all that sort of stuff. And so now we've done a couple episodes of that. And it's, again, it's something I never would have done on my own. He would have never done on his own. But because we're doing it together, it's now we're off the ground running. And then I think it's going to be a, a good resource for the club. That's awesome. I, I love hearing that. Right. We're running up on an hour now. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on in your notes that we didn't get a chance to touch on? Man, we, we crushed it. I, I, think we, I think we got everything. This was this was a ton of fun, man. I'm so grateful you guys got me on here. I, I've never done a live podcast. I hope all the viewers out there enjoyed it. How, how many are out there? <laughs> uh, Kyle's a, watching. A couple thousand. A couple thousand. <laughs> it looks like. <laughs> no, nah, this this was a great time, man. I I think this was a lot more fun than maybe I expected. We'll have to do it again. One of these days, we're just going to like stream it because this thing can stream to LinkedIn and YouTube yes. and everywhere else. We may just have to, to flip the stream and switch and just go with it. That's that's the way to do it, man. That's the next chapter. We'll have you on when we do it. We'll see.
Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> if we're going to do it, you got to do it with us. Didn't we just talk about okay, that? I'm, we go further together? I'm, I'm in. The strength in numbers. That was a ducks fly together or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, they say if you want to go fast, go alone. want to go far, go together, right? That's right. Hey, so Josh, if anybody wants to reach, uh, get in contact with you or, um, you know, talk to you about consulting or anything like that, how can they get you? Yeah. Uh, eat, or buy a house from you even. Yeah, even if you want to buy a house. In Virginia, though. Like, let's, let's, let's keep it to <laughs> one of the 50 states. Uh, you can't build me one in Texas? No. <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> uh, e- easiest way to get me is on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm always on LinkedIn. It's the easiest place to find me. And then all my contact info is in, in LinkedIn and and. Um, Send me a message. I'm happy to reply and help you out. Cool, man. I'll make sure they got your link in the uh, in the show notes of the podcast. That'd be awesome. But appreciate you coming and joining us, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, yeah. Kyle and Matt. You guys are awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot, Josh. Great to meet you. It was, it was a good time. I can't believe we're at an hour. I, I know. I, I was like, I looked down, and it was like 58 minutes. I was like, whoa. The, the time went by so quick. It is. When they're good conversations, they always fly by fast. Yeah, that's good. All right, guys. Till next time. See ya. All right. We'll see ya.